Hey, sister. This is Tracy Sue, and welcome to the Suevolution Revelations for the Revolution. This is a spiritual guide for saying yes to your soul's purpose and oh, fuck no to everything else. I've made you a free gift at tracysue.com. It's a soul whisper meditation designed for the evolution of your soul. Please subscribe, share, follow, leave us a five-star review. Click the links in the show notes to show our sponsors some love. I'm so glad you're here. Whether you've been following me for a long time or you're new here, let's catch up. Your soul might want to come along for the Suvolution. In 2013, freshly divorced and with two elementary school-aged kids, moving right on into my 40s, I had an epiphany while hand-washing the dishes and gazing at the peace lily that was blooming over my sink. Silence. My brain was filled with utterly blissful, exquisite silence. You see, my soul had not shut up in about 10 years. I had been married for 12. Her litany went like this. I want a divorce. I want a divorce. I want a divorce. I want a divorce. I want a fucking divorce. But I didn't want to get a divorce. I didn't want to want a divorce. I had very good reasons for not wanting a divorce. Likely, they are the same reasons that you do not or did not want a divorce. I worried about how our children would fare if they came from a broken family. They fared just fine, by the way. I had been a work-at-home mom, blogging and doing freelance writing. I was the primary caretaker of our children. In other words, I was dependent on my husband's income. I was not fighting off job offers, having been what the traditional workforce considered unemployed for 12 years, never mind that I had owned my own business. With our family following what was good for his career, I'll even go so far as to say my husband purposefully sabotaged my pre-existing career to keep me small so that he didn't feel insecure. This was the reason my soul had been demanding a divorce for a decade. Also, he was a drunk, so he wanted me to go get a job doing menial labor, not my business, so that he could drink beer and play golf. Now, my soul is not here for that bullshit. She will make a lot of sacrifices for the good of her children, but she was not giving up her life's work, a career established long before he came along, so some dude could drink more beer, eat bar food, and play more golf. My job, according to him, according to culture, according to the religions we both grew up in, that guaranteed his superiority was to be his helpmeet. Her refrain, my soul's, I want a divorce, I want a divorce, I want a divorce, I want a divorce, had been such a constant litany in my head that when she got what she wanted, I experienced silence in my mind for the first time in over a decade. And the piece of that was exquisite. My soul is always going to get what she wants. Eventually, somehow, some way, she'll torment me and sabotage me until she gets what she wants, I hypothesized. When she does get what she wants, I get to experience this exquisite peace. So what if I said yes to everything my soul told me to do? 
without questioning her motives or resisting her wisdom or demanding to know the outcome or negotiating reasonable terms or insisting on rational reasons or distracting her with the practical objections for whatever action she was asking of me. Would I then get to experience the exquisite peace all the time? It was January, so I decided to make it my year of yes experiment. I recorded the day-to-day stream of consciousness detailed in my journal, which I published as a memoir, The Year of Yes. What if you said yes to everything your soul told you to do for one year? It's raw, and I blush to think of some of the things I said out loud. It's on Amazon. I have not dared do the audiobook because I truly don't know if I can say some of those things out loud. I launched a one-year coaching program to work with people who were ready to live their soul's purpose. And the question people had most often was, how do I know if this voice in my head is my soul? That's a damn good question. We all have a lot of voices in our heads, don't we? I devised and synthesized several strategies to help people differentiate their soul and their ego. The ego is what I called the cluster of voices competing for attention and demanding to take the lead in your life. This was before internal family systems and parts work caught on in the therapy mental health space. I wrote another book, Soul vs. Ego Smackdown, How to Say Yes to Your Soul and Tell Your Ego to Suck It. This book is also on Amazon, but if you want to scroll back on this podcast feed, I read the book to you. I launched an online membership program with a slew of courses to teach people what I'd learned, working with my own soul and ego, and also with clients and others who wanted to live their own soul's purpose. Things were going great, sort of, until they weren't, I guess. When your soul demands something of you, and so you say yes, you're going to meet some resistance. Some resistance definitely comes from some parts of yourself. Your ego wrapped up in worst-case scenarios, what you might call your inner child who's afraid of abandonment, and other parts of yourself which might have different agendas and different priorities. But a lot of resistance comes from outside of you. In my soul versus ego meditation practice that you can get for free at tracysue.com, I ask you to acknowledge some of the voices that come from outside of yourself because you're probably not going to be able to completely silence them. So the idea is, You acknowledge them and you ask them to step aside for just a second so that you can hear your soul's voice. Your identity as a daughter, mother, wife, your role in your micro and macro cultures from your book club to your religious organization. We also give authority figures such as Oprah or allegiances to Democrat or Republican or your religious identification. All of these I sort of clustered in the category ego because they're not your soul. But we also live in a very complicated world and we have microcultures we look to trying to make sense of it. We look to our social media and we really are influenced by influencers we admire and also the ones we are triggered by. The world is louder than it's ever been in history of civilization. Being human is hard. Being human in a landscape of this type of loudness and information flooding is virtually impossible to process by our human minds, and our souls can barely get a message through the cacophony. All of these people, the ones in our families, the ones who are 
part of our work life, the ones we give religious authority to, the ones we love and the ones we're seemingly stuck with through circumstance of job or community, the ones who control our lives through law and politics or the fucking HOA, and the millions of voices that demand our attention and make us want things so that they can sell them to us. They all have an agenda for our lives. Ours. They usually don't even acknowledge that our lives are our lives to live. They know how we should live it. Damn it. They know what we should eat and how we should look and how we should live and who we should live with and what we should do with our time and how much of it we're allowed to have and how we should work and what we should say and what we better not fucking say or else. So just shut up and push through to make them feel comfortable to keep the systems in place. Here's the formula for success. Just do it. Oh my God, a formula. Fuck yeah. Who doesn't love a formula? Humans fucking love formulas. It takes out the guesswork. It makes us feel, at least temporarily, more secure and stable and safe. It gives us an often false sense that the universe is a cause and effect with a predictable outcome that can be counted on. It makes us feel like the consequences of our actions are reliable and guaranteed. It gives us the truly American, and truly false, sense that the universe is based on merit. If we just try hard enough and do the right things, then voila! Here's the predictable outcome. Everyone who went to college has a nice 401k nest egg, a job with benefits, a reasonable mortgage, a credible income to meet basic living expenses if you don't go crazy with irresponsible spending, well-adjusted children if you follow the parenting formula, a solid belief system if you follow the right church, the appropriate amount of blessings if you pray the right prayers and follow the right God, affordable health insurance, which you won't really need because you'll have a healthy body if you follow the right diet and make the right lifestyle choices. And if you vote correctly, you'll live in a good, stable economy where you'll be gaining shit tons of equity and be able to educate your healthy children who will have a solid, bright future if they follow the formula too. I love the formula. The love of the formula is the reason people cling to religion. If I do all the right things, then I'll have all of God's blessings. The love of the formula is why people cling to science and reject the spiritual, because science is supposed to be a sure thing, a fact. Never mind that science doesn't know anything for sure, that it's all built on guesses that they call hypotheses, that science has some pretty weird, inexplicable shit going on and is easily manipulated in both design and interpretation. The security is in the idea that everything is figureoutable, provable, factual, and the believer in science can opt out of wrestling with the great and mysterious questions of life. Namely, what the fuck is going on here? in this increasingly bizarre world. I love a formula. I grabbed onto the science of law of attraction, the secret, and faithfully used it to pull myself out of a dark, terrorized place after witnessing 9-11. I was a devout practitioner. Do the right meditations, make the right dream boards, think the right thoughts, feel the right feelings, and the universe delivers the intended results. I loved the business formula that gave me a step-by-step -step way to build a business around my experiment, the year of yes. 
I loved that I could develop practical formulas to help people feel better and understand themselves. I loved the idea that there's a formula to get clarity. I loved the idea that if you follow your soul's purpose with the systems I've synthesized and developed, you'll be rewarded with exquisite peace. I had the most productive six years of my life. Then suddenly, everything that was working abruptly stopped working. It wasn't just a mental and spiritual breakdown, but real life stuff. Like, I couldn't post on my website and no one could fix it. I couldn't access my own books on Amazon for well over a year and I couldn't even get them on the phone. My employees were stealing from me and clients were breaking contracts. I was roofied and my kids and I were robbed in our hotel room on vacation, leaving me with no money, no ID, no phone, no computer, and no car keys, and three kids in Los Angeles. Real life stuff like that. A slew of it. A shitstorm. And my body broke down too when they took the thyroid medication off the market abruptly and the replacement didn't work at all. My soul had a new refrain. What is the point of this? What is the point of this? What is the point of this? What is the fucking point of this? What is the point of all this work? What is the point of all these people in our lives? How is this formula not bringing the exquisite peace I was promised by saying yes to my soul? Did the signals I was sending out into the universe get crossed? I had operated on the idea that I could devise a formula that by saying yes, I would be living my soul's purpose. And then I would apply the science of law of attraction and I would have all the things. The health, the body, the friends, the romance, the life partner, the house, the kids, the money, the satisfaction. I was a productivity junkie. Hits of dopamine fueled my days, my very regimented days, in which even my downtime was productively accounted for. The formula? Work harder to get better results and make more money literally ran my body into the ground and I wasn't getting richer. My soul's purpose is to help people, I thought, and I'm helping all of these people. But there was something off. It was backfiring. The more I gave, the more entitled people became. And the tiniest little boundary I might dare institute was met with a vicious backlash. It was very out of proportion. And frankly, the more I helped people, the more exhausted and depleted I became, and the more I worked, the poorer I became when it backfired. I ran out of push-through, and I ran out of willpower. The most productive years of my life were followed by a bewildering and terrifying inability to produce much of anything. My thyroid conked out and I went to sleep. I slept for an alarming amount of time. Semi-regularly when the kids would go to their dads, I would lay down for a nap and wake up the next day. My nervous system was so blown out that I could not remain awake and conscious through the digestive process. I developed the kind of eating disorder with no upside. I couldn't eat and I gained weight. When I tried to tell people about my problems, my worries, my illness, people seemed outraged that I would be so weak. I was supposed to be the strong one. That I would dare come to them for help. 
I was supposed to be the helper. When I talked about my true feelings of being confused, angry, and scared, only positive feelings were allowed. That I would need anything from anyone seemed to be met with a mystifying revulsion. These were people that I had helped in extraordinary ways. I'd clean their homes for free. I'd managed and organized their calendars. I'd given them money, free life coaching in every conversation. These relationships were costing me something. Sisters, you know what I'm talking about. This costs us something. I did not realize how much it cost me until I could no longer push through and my body disobediently insisted on its humanness and my relationships revealed themselves to be predicated on me being the savior with an endless supply of energy, enabling me to say yes to whatever they were asking me to do. I sat with the question, what the fuck is going on? Did my intention signals to the universe not clarify that I had committed to say yes to my soul, not everybody who came asking to take care of their needs? And why was I saying yes to every fucking person who showed up? Why was I standing in everyone else's shoes who needed something from me? Who was standing in my shoes ensuring my family's needs be met? Are all the spiritual leaders and gurus just full of shit when they claim that what you put out there comes back to you? I've been putting out so much good and getting, oh, gee, thanks, and here's your knuckle sandwich in return. I also noticed that men have 99% of the wealth and property on the planet. Are they putting out and giving 99% of the value and the good in the world? Come on. I noticed other things, too. Why did it feel like a compulsion for me to say yes to other people's needs and desires and demands? Why did it feel like an agonizing violation of social norms if I had the audacity to say no? Or a gut-wrenching anxiety attack when I informed people that they would have to pay for my services? Why did people act as if I told them to fuck off and die when I didn't give them what they felt entitled to for free? Why did they feel entitled to anything at all? And whose feelings are these anyway? Why, when I am around this person, am I flooded with grief and anxiety? Or clinched in fury when I am around that person? Why do I feel utterly paralyzed with despair with them, but I was fine only moments before I was with them? Why does their need, desire, or want feel like my need, desire, and want? that I feel compelled to ensure for them? Am I feeling other people's feelings and then feeling like it's my job to give them what they need to stop feeling that way, to, in a roundabout way, stop feeling their uncomfortable feeling inside myself? Is that why I'm compulsively going around solving everyone else's problems? Is this what they call codependence? If a person shows up in my life, does that mean I am obligated to help them? Or should I help no one? Because this is going well for them, but it's costing me quite a lot more than I have to give, and I'm so depleted I can't even take care of my actual responsibilities. You get the picture. I'm in a bad spot. I don't know what changed. I don't know what the fuck is going on, so I can't fix it. 
the formula I had bought into, and in fact helped design, flopped. There appears to be no help in sight. I'm knocking on doors to all kinds of people, business coaches, spiritual advisors, people who seem to have their shit together. I'm trying to understand what has happened to me, desperately and futilely attempting to pull myself out of whatever funk this is. But no one knows what I'm talking about. It's like I'm speaking an unknown language. No, the formula works, they insist. The formula is the formula, and I use the formula, and it works for me. So just do the formula. You must be doing it wrong. Produce more. Meditate more. Make more money. Just do it. Be happy. It must be because you feel unworthy and have a low self-esteem. Think better thoughts. Feel better feelings. But remain available for me. I hear my soul tell me. He doesn't know. He's never been here before. Several times when I found myself asking for men's advice. Sisters, my world got very, very small. When the pandemic hit, I was already a chrysalis in my house, the walls of which I had felt compelled to paint blood red like a womb for me to incubate in. I didn't have faith that a rebirth was inevitable. I didn't even have enough energy to muster faith. It just took too much. My vulnerability was an offense to the formulas we built our great nation on and our gods upon. Being ill in a country with reasonable health and social systems is humbling, I imagine. But in America, being sick and poor is utterly humiliating because it's considered a moral failing, a refusal to follow the fucking formula. It infuriated me to understand that my situation was unnecessary on several fronts. I was simply one of millions of people, women in particular, attempting to survive in impossible circumstances because the patriarchy finds it useful for me to be there. Largely, what had happened to me was that my thyroid medication, NatureThroid, which was produced by a small family company since 1930, was yanked off the market in order to ensure a global monopoly for synthetic thyroid medication. The FDA and Big Pharma intentionally withheld life-saving medication from people to drive the price of Synthroid from around 30 bucks a month to 500. There's science holding up the golden calf. The only drugs on the market didn't work for my body. Keeping us sick and poor is a patriarchy tool. The maligning and murdering of the medicine woman began hundreds of years ago with the witch hunts, and it continues today. We're easy to control when we're incapacitated. I'll do other episodes about our corrupt medical system. Just you wait. For the last several years, I've done a deep, deep dive into the caverns of my Tracy Sunis. The Year of Yes memoir was very much an exploration of my past and a processing of trauma. How did I get here? was one of the primary questions. But I've learned that a year of exploration does not heal a lifetime of trauma let alone lifetimes. And if you're a woman walking around on this planet, you have trauma. And you know what? I've come to understand that all those outside voices that I had been calling ego, they had a common thread. They had been put there intentionally to keep women in line. They were not personal failings of mine. I was banging up against the many forces who are profiting on my supposed low self-worth even as I carry the burden of society on my back for their profit. I spent about three years in therapy unbrainwashing myself from the cult of patriarchy. 
I've found some systems like human design and astrology. I'll do more podcasts on that. They have helped me clarify what my purpose is. And I've done a much deeper experiment into how to gain clarity about what I should and should not be doing on this planet, particularly when it comes to my interaction with other people and how I help them. In human design, I am a heretic investigator. I should be listening to my sacral, not my mind, to make decisions. Satisfaction or frustration is my game. A quest for happiness is futile and will leave me longing. I have a big heart and the gifts of insight and breakthrough, and people are hungry for it. My aura signals fixer to people. That's why they come to me for fixing. I am here to help people, but mostly through leadership to the masses, which is why I'm doing this podcast, and I'm only here to help the correct people. My sacral identifies the correct people, so I accept very few, very specific, very ready clients for private coaching now or it backfires. And my aura is triggering for people because I am a heretic. So was Jesus. And look what happened to him. That explains a lot of my anxiety. I've had to grieve the fantasy that I'm going to figure out how to not be triggering to people and live a harmonious life based on the formulas we've been sold. The world is reacting to me differently than it reacts to others because I do have a very unique and specific soul's purpose. I was right about my need to say yes to it. My deep investigation of human design and my soul's cultural conditioning has also made me a much better soul purpose mentor because I am different. And so are you. What works for me is not going to work for you. You do have a formula that you can follow to live your soul's purpose, but it's a very unique formula to your soul in this incarnation. For you to attempt to use the formula that is appropriate for me is going to backfire. For women to use the formulas, let's face it, designed by patriarchy to ensure the success of men on the backs of the free labor of women is going to backfire. For women, the world finds it offensive for women to pursue their own soul's purpose. It will do anything it can to stop us from living our own authentic lives because the entire planet relies on our free labor and the energy and resources we generate so that men can make a profit and then claim they got to success by their own merits. Well, too fucking bad. Because we are not here to serve the fucking patriarchy. We are here for our own soul's evolution. Our soul-volution, if you will, or our stew-volution. During my quest, my journey of deep healing, my deep investigation, I've come to understand something. The enemy of my soul and yours and even men's is patriarchy. It's a sickness that's like a splooge that covers the planet. I've been doing what the patriarchy calls nothing. And as I've struggled to find those dopamine hits of productivity, my self-worth has wavered. Except... I have produced a market product. Two, self-sustaining and self-perpetuating taxpayers, consumers, and laborers, which the entire economy relies on. I've produced the very product the Republicans are calling the domestic baby market, the product they're trying to force women to create and then bear the burden of alone, the product that will fund baby boomer men's retirement as they live forever. 
but I will receive no return on investment for my product. One that was very labor and energy intensive, as well as expensive AF to produce. Because what women naturally do is not honored with any monetary value in a capitalist system. All monetary reward is passed up the chain to men. They made the production of my product so much harder than it needs to be. That's bullshit and my soul wants it changed. We'll be having a broader conversation about the world feeling entitled to women's products and market value without compensation. I've also done the down and dirty, nitty-gritty spiritual work of deconditioning myself from the patriarchal paradigms that have kept me enslaved to benefit men. I've used cutting-edge methods like ketamine therapy and EMDR to reroute neurotransmitters that are hardwired into my epigenetic code that compel me to sacrifice and self-sabotage to ensure my safety as a woman. I've also deconstructed the fuck out of cultural conditioning that keeps me and you trapped in hell loops designed to keep us from becoming the most dangerous thing to the existing culture. An autonomous woman who is more invested in her sole purpose than in babysitting the egos of men by making herself smaller and passing all the profits on to him. My soul has the audacity of walking around the planet like a human being who owns herself. In other words, I've been learning that the most important way to say yes to my soul's purpose is to learn how to say fuck no, especially to the patriarchy. I'm passing it on to my children and I'm passing it on to you because this is the Suvolution. Thank you for being here. It just would not be the same without you. Patriarchy is poison, so let's poison the patriarchy. Show us some love by subscribing, sharing, following, and leaving a five-star review. And remember, there's a free Soul Whisper meditation for you at tracysue.com. That's T-R-A-C-E-E-S-I-O-U-X.com.
With somebody to rather everybody with somebody today. Uh, to rather the revolution. 